Welcome to the Black Then, Black Now podcast. We're giving you an insight into the conversations between generations, the ones you may have at a dinner table or on your living room sofa. From discussing changing dating culture to the persistence of racism in football, we're concerned about looking at change and continuity. What was it like then? How is it now? In this episode, I chat with Patrick about the universal language, music. We talk about how the movement of people and the mixing of culture is reflected in the music that is produced. Is being influenced by another artist stealing if it's part of what music is? Thank you for joining me today. Um, So to get started with our conversation, uh, please can you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Patrick Smith. I call DJ name as Pat the Cat. And so how did you get into DJing? I find it's it's hard to say, but I reckon it's probably in the blood because from I was probably growing up from about 10 onwards, I seemed to just like music, listening to mum and dad's old records and listening to the radio back in the 60s. Mm. So in your house, like, was music always playing and what type of music? Usually from mum and dad, it would be ska music back in the 60s, sort of form of Jamaican R&B. Um, they, they'd buy the records and play them on the old blue spot gram. And, uh, I don't know what that is. You have to tell me what it is. Well, it's it was a a, a gram with a little bar in the middle. You could put about seven records on it, and they'll drop one after one. When one finishes, another one drops. And um, oh, they are just the in thing at the time. The old blue spots. If you didn't have one, you weren't in. <laughs> An embarrassment to the community. Yeah, a few of the senior people has got them now. Very, very few, because obviously a lot of lot have passed on mum and dad. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so usually they once they break down, they, people just want to get them out of the way and then wanted a modern hi-fi system you know, in the 70s and 80s. So, But few people kept them. Mm. So with your parents, they were they from Jamaica? Yes, correctly. Yeah, both. Both. Myself came from Jamaica in okay. 1962. And was music a way to kind of stay connected to the Jamaican culture? Yes, because them days when, when the radio was just pop music, i.e. Tony Blackburn and I can't remember the other, David, David Mans or something. Uh, I think not David Mans was a singer. Um, there was various, Jimmy Savile was a DJ back in the days and uh, I can't remember them all, but yeah, the music wasn't too great on mm. the radio. So um, every Saturday, most of the Caribbean people would go to Brixton and buy their West Indian food and also 
by new records. It was a big thing. Desmond City and in Brixton Market, there was various record outlets and they would come from the ship and straight to Brixton. So on, on the radio, they would they play that music? No, or? Not, oh. no, no, mm. no, 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 no. You wouldn't hear no reggae on the radio. So it's just like um, all the artists, white people? Back back then, yeah, but you what English radio stations generally they they wouldn't play, not in the sixties. The seventies they started to, you know, Desmond, um, Desmond Decker, um, he sort of got through, maybe Ken Booth. There was one or two reggae artist hits which they'd play on the radio, but probably late down in the seventies, I guess. You know, you could buy the record, but you wouldn't necessarily hear them on the radio. Mm. Just wasn't a trend. And probably maybe, like, did racism play into it? No, no, I didn't. Wouldn't bring that into it. Yeah, I wouldn't bring that into it. Mm. I'll just say it's just the way it was. Because mm. if, say, for example, if you went to Jamaica and they were playing their reggae record, yeah, then they wouldn't go and play Slade mm. or or. or David Bowie in the middle of, of it's, just, it's not going to yeah. happen. It's not happening. That kind of the mixtures of cultures hadn't happened yet. So I guess people just arriving, it takes time to kind of get, yeah, that mixture and culture to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not you could write in and say, why can't I have some reggae music on the radio? It, it all in time, but no, the radio station would just do what they're doing and yeah. off. I think. Be, be truthfully honest in my head I have like um, hairspray where they have like Negro Day that's like the one day they have for like um, yeah black people to be on the thing but it's just it's not like that and I just need to stop correlating music and TV and yeah fiction but anyways <laughs> but you DJ like different music um, yeah. let's talk about that yeah um, well from from I would say 1718 I I um I started to 1978 I went to America and I bought lots of records back but then they were they weren't reggae they mm. were more soul things cuz soul yeah generally soul and a bit of disco in the 70s then I started to more go into the reggae session but then I realized that I had a different feel and passion for the vintage type music, the 40s and 50s mm. music. And um, so I started to collect in that era, but also collected my scar and, and my reggae along the way. Mm. It's yeah. like a real mixture. It is, it is. But nowadays when I DJ out, I'm only generally dealing with the 40s and 50s, rhythm and blues, mm. and uh, and rock and roll. And that's, that's yeah, that is my strongest niche. Although I have plenty of reggae mm. and soul. And so you said that trip to America was, you mentioned that, so is that when you kind of got into like rock and roll? No, no, oh. no, no, because no, I was buying more soul. Soul, okay. Yeah, I was buying more soul music, and I've still got all those original records from 1978. So, what made you go into rock and roll? Um, I feel 
the, the feel, the feel and... The dancing? Li- yeah, the dancing. So can you, your, your, can you dance to it as well? Yeah, sure. Because yeah. sure. um, I feel like we haven't mentioned this, but um, so I know Patrick through my mum who would go to... you who, right. who was basically, yeah, danced and stuff, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and she would take me as like a little girl. Yeah. I remember seeing you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, I do remember. So with, um, it's a, it's, a, it's like a really nice like community. Like it's very like, is it? Would you say it's a small community? Like everyone knows each other within like rock and roll in um yeah the UK or London, I guess. Well, yeah, London's got its own dance scene. America's got its dance scene. Um, Amsterdam, France, Spain. All the all all the lot of the nationalities have got their dance scene. If I go anywhere in Europe, I could go dance fifties music. They've got their DJs and they've got their venues. You know, so they're not. That's just their love of their for their niche, mm. and then there's all the modern DJs with the house and the garage, and the hip hop. You know, so. Yeah, that's that is our love and our niche. Mm. I love how you talk about your passion for music. Like it really comes across. Like at the beginning, you said um, I asked you how did you get into DJing. You said it was like part of your blood and like, um, Mm. and uh, yeah, it's amazing to see because I think yeah, when I meet musicians, like you can just tell they just love what they do and it's actually it's a craft. So, how Mm. can you go into that a bit more? Like, why do you love DJing so much? Uh, not even loving the DJ. Um, I just think because I had had so bought a lot of records, and during during probably the eighties, nineties, I might be spending probably I'd go down to Camden or the West End, and. I may have £110 in my pocket and I'll be coming home with like six, <laughs> six pounds because I've bought records. Oh, oh, oh. I was thinking six records. I was like, wow, no, that's expensive, no, but I'll no, get you. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you spend most of your money mm. at Portobello Road um, sometimes Brixton. You, you'd go, you know, you'd get some rhythm and blues at Brixton in the market. There used to be a guy used to sell it on the stall near the fire station. Um, some of the places have closed down and some are still open but when you've accumulated so much and you play it and you think oh this this moves you then you feel share the music Mm. you know what I'm saying so um, if you bought a system and you've got the records and you say to one of the other DJs who's got a little club, says, look, I've, you know, I've got a load of records. Can I do a spot? And he say, yes, but you better, you better deliver because you won't be doing it again if you do not. So it's just died from there, basically. So do you think without record shops, basically, you may have not been a DJ? Like, say you were born, like, in the 20s, well, when I, how I, when I, blah, blah, blah. With in the era of like, um, you just stream music. You don't record shops have closed. If you were a DJ, you had been born at this time. Do you think you would have gone into DJing, or it would have been more difficult? That's a good question. Um, see, 
no matter what, our music is harder to find. You won't find my music in much of the shops. So like rock and roll? To, yeah, rhythm and blues. You've got to go to specialist shops to get it. So no matter what period of time, if I was buying from the 80s, we're in 2021. I could still go to the West End, certain shops, or Camden, or Portobello Road, and still buy some of that music. But it's expensive. I was going to say, how does it feel knowing about the prices, how they used to be and how they are now? Yeah. To me, it was still expensive even then because your wages is higher now compared to then. So all it is, you've just got to be able to can afford it because a lot of times you look at the price of that record and it says £15. And maybe you've got £25 to sort of take you back to work. And you think, mm. but I said, this record's very dear, sir. <laughs> well, put it back then, you know, because he's, he's imported it and he's paid the shipping costs. So he wants £15, end off, you know, and you, you might take it or leave it. Sometimes they might take something off if you're buying, buying a few more in the shop. Maybe if you're like a regular or... Yeah, if they know you, they might take something off. But it's expensive business still music and do you still buy buy records yeah. now mm. so even though you could get it online for free you would rather buy them yes because on my the circuit which i'm on they're making it vinyl nights now to make it very difficult i can play within the vinyl night but now some of them the elitas are going 78s and they're they're before, they're before the records or LPs, right? So 78s is a really old gramophone type record. And personally, I don't like dealing with them. They're very brittle, they're very heavy, and they're very clumsy. So I mean, I, I, I'm not going down that road, that channel. I'll stick to the records, if anything. If you drop a 78, psst, breaks like a biscuit. You know, <laughs> a bit like Slate. So, you know, you look at a slate on the roof, they, they look, they're similar to that. You can drop an LP, it won't break, or a record, but drop of 78, your heart will go, especially if it's a rare one. Oh, and so the, are the 78 the most expensive out yeah. of? Uh, yes, some, some are, some are not. Depends on the artist, depends which company made them, because some are very hard to get hold of, and if they're in good condition, they'll cost like £100 for one disc. Exactly, yeah. So I'm imagining like your music collection, I'm just seeing like a vast like array of records. Like, because even in my house, we have bear, and they're just stored away, don't even get to see them um, or play them. But um, what, if you could pick, is your favourite record? Like if you were on a stranded island, what would be the one that you'd want with you? Mm. I reckon a Joe Turner. Shake, Rattling, Roar by Joe Turner. Know that one. That one always work, works my floor. Yeah. I love the guy as a blue shelter and um, just a, a nice track, bouncy and ranchy. I, I, that's a good choice. I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy. I know that one. Do you know it? Yeah. No. Shake, roll and roll. That's yeah, not the Bilaley version. Oh. The Joe Turner bait. The Joe oh. Turner version. How is it different? Would you sing it? Well, no, no, my voice not. Um, well, Bilaley 
Uh, who was the first one? Uh, still, I'm sure Joe Turner done it around 56. I think Bill Ailey might have copied his one. I might be wrong. I should do my groundwork on that. I think Joe Turner came up with it early, early, and then and then then um, Bill Ailey probably came along and done his version, which got very popular. So yeah, if I say shake rattle and roll, a lot of people know that 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 track, whether from Bill Ailey, maybe not Joe Turner, but Joe Turner was singing. I reckon well before Bill Ailey. That happens so often, isn't it? Like um, a cover is more popular than the original and you yeah. you don't even know that the original is the, is the original. Yeah. Well, poor little Richard, if you get into little Richard, he, he, he was crying about the same thing. He did Tutti Frutti and then, um, oh, I forgot his name now, Pat Boone came out and sung it it was awful absolutely awful and little richard just said but let him do it because he wrote it little richard so he still get publicity as the writer and when he sung it it was real when pat boone done it it was a phony so it's the way i put it i remember hearing about the maybe the beach boys they covered uh, someone's song and then mm. the, they didn't give it credit to it or something and then they were in like a same like waffle house and then both of the artists were there and like he was like oh, i'm such a big fan and the guy just like left and was just like so pissed off at him yeah. i mean it makes sense though isn't it it's business yeah. it, it is business um is the way it goes sometimes totally you know i mean luckily it, chuck berry he did well, Little Richard did well, Lloyd Price. But they, would you say, would you think, do you know who Little Richard is? I have someone in my head, I don't know, if, I'm not 100% sure it's the person, but um, was he like really young? I yeah. Guess it, yeah, Richard, yeah. It kind of indicates Back that. Back in but, the day. Um, and did he kind of have, like, maybe part of like a band for a little bit? Like a little yeah, band? he had his band, but he used to like wear makeup. Mm, li- no, well, Little Richard was big and Bill Ailey was big and Elvis was big but people would say oh well Elvis is bigger than all of them but those guys were just a pack a venue out or stadium you know what I mean Chuck Berry or Little Richard yeah um, did, who did Elvis get his influences from as well when I understand about Elvis he used to go and watch a lot of the black guys back in Ike Turner. He'd go and watch them and this and that. And he picked up lots of the movements and stuff from from them guys until he he, he went and cut a record with Sun Label, and um, he, he just took off from there. But there was one particular guy called Roy Hamilton, and he he could almost sing like like Elvis, but Elvis copied a lot of his style, Roy Hamilton. And would you say, it's difficult, but for someone who was 
like a, a musician in my eyes um is it is it just part of music to be influenced by people or is it like stealing oh, that's a very very good question i mean if a man's there and he's doing something good and you feel you can do better, you're going to have to copy him, but you're also going to have to add your own flavour or your own style. And then people might pick up your style and and not realise that you've copied it from that man. So it's like we all need each other, we all get help from each other or influences from each other because you know some people set the bar or the example i mean you look at usain bolt today all the runners would think i'd like to be as fast as him i'm going to train as hard as him but one day they'll break his record but maybe i I might not be alive but you know he had to have his influences also and he, he he got there. He got there. Mm. I mean, he got to his heights. So it is good to look at others and learn from others. Mike Tyson, you know, heavyweight champion, and he had his idols. He looked and studied Rocky Marciano how he got down and take the punches where he, he let them off from. And you, if you want to study things like that, you will become a big menace. You know, Rocky Marciano's not alive to met the Tyson to see, but I reckon Tyson took lots of things from out of his book to get to where he is. And on unboxing, my mum was saying that you maybe were were a boxer or you're in I used to I used to box years ago. Yeah, yeah. Amateur at Sir Phillips Games or Croydon. How did you get into that? I just think um I had a lot of energy. I was quite strong. So I thought then they let me go and burn some of this energy in the ring and uh, train, 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 and then start to compete. And uh, I had, I think, 16 fights and lost four, one twelve. Mm. Um, but Any knockouts? Oh, yeah, knocked out. Got, got. A, yeah, I had a few knockouts. Yeah, stop. Few stoppages were knockouts, and, uh, and I think I got stopped once, and um, loved it. But brutal, very brutal, dangerous. very dangerous, and very brutal. Yeah, and it was hard then, training in the night, boxing in the night, and going work the next morning. That's that's when the bruises come up. You box in the night, and you the bruises come up tomorrow the next day and where you worked were they like would they ask you about the bruises or yeah where did you work with? i was a pl- i was um working with a plasterer mm-hmm. so i was mixing up for him in, when, when i was younger and you know but i had to be on site early and be there if not you'd lose your job <laughs> yeah bruises or not or broken leg bruises or not or not. you, oh, you better be there because he wants to earn his money yeah. monday to friday on price price work and uh, I don't get a win, let him down. He, you know, steam's coming out of his nostrils, you know, and he, he, he don't do it twice, you know, so. Mm. You know. With um, boxing, if you won a match, like, what would you win? Like, Oh, a trophy. You get tro- a trophy. Trophy or a shield, one, one out the other. No cash prize. 
No, no. If you're professional, you get paid. But if you're amateur, you get trophies and stuff. Again, I'm thinking of Spider-Man when he, he needs some money, so he goes boxing and, and um, gets a cash prize. If it's underground, underground, yeah, be a knuckle. Yeah, <laughs> you get, might get a, a thousand pounds, but that's you're going to get a good beating for it, you know. But it was always with gloves. Um, so how have um, the last couple of years been with COVID um, in preventing in-person events and yeah, how yeah have you been doing Zoom DJing sessions or? Um, some of my friends have, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that because um, I found when you do that, one of my friends done it, and other people was just pinching off his shazamming his music and. You know, he's doing all the hard groundwork and then others are just stealing. So I, I wouldn't do that personally. No, no. I, I keep my, try to keep my music tight. Then in person, can they not just Shazam it as well? In person? Yeah, what do you so mean? If um, I have Shazam on my phone. So say you were doing a set, I could just Shazam every song. Well, that's right. You could. And some of them done all this. They've mm. done that. And then they think, oh, well, yeah, and put that to their collection and they, they just steal. Mm. Everybody's stealing. Well, it's like the, the name of the game in the music business. But, um, and also, like, I feel like with Zoom, it's, it's different. Like, in person, you, you can, like, you change the music to the peop- how people are That's reacting. Right. And in Zoom, people are mute and it's just not the same. No, it's not the same, but... I mean, obviously, this Zoom thing is new since lockdown. I mean, I'm still quite in the days of what's really happened because my, my two venues, Royston, Penge and Bromley, everything everything got shut down. All the clubs got shut. Musicians suffered. All the hotel dues, all the weekenders, everything shut down completely. Whether you eat or not, government doesn't care. Don't care. So, so were you on furlough? No, no furlough. And um, when I, I had a word with the tax office, I had some issue with them and then I called them up and I said, you know, what can I claim for? And they said, like, on your bike, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> when you're on your bike, you're on your own in a, in a nice way. You know, and I just thought, yeah, well, whatever, whatever. So... But- if, is DJing your only source of income? Uh, I've got my door badge. I'm, I have my door, SIA. So, you know, if anything, you can do some SIA work if you need to. But What's that? SIA. Um, security. Oh, yeah, security yes. on the doors and stuff. You. Or you work in shops or this and that. But seriously, long hours. You're talking about 12 till 12 or... Seven till seven, somewhere I was. But even with that, did was that on hold as well? But if there are no events to yes and no, yeah. But shops still shop had to be open, That's so true. you still had, could get security and shops and, and and hospitals or whatever if you wanted to. But it's not, it's not my. It's, I, don't, I don't like the hours and stuff and standing on my feet all the hours. Same with DJing as well, isn't it? You stand on your feet. Or you uh, yes, DJ, you are standing on your feet. You can get your stool if you have to 
get a stall mm-hmm. or um, sometimes put a track on, get the next one, go and have a, go and have a dance and run back, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so get the blood circulating. Mm. Um, and on topic of dance, would you say you're a good dancer? Like when you're at your own your sets, do you do that, run onto the dance floor and yeah, dance a bit? Um, I've done yeah. it numerous times. So um, with rock and roll, like dancing, how have you picked that up? Just naturally. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I went lessons. I did lessons in um, with a fella called Kav Kavna at uh, Jackson Lane in Archway. I lived in Dulwich at the time, so I used to travel from Dulwich to Archway every Wednesday and learn with him for a year. Um, was that like a? So was the studio specifically for like rock and roll? Like yeah, that, that, yeah. When he hired it, it was for rock and roll jive. It, it's weird because I'm thinking maybe it's the same place. But I used to do um, ballroom dancing at a place in Dulwich, a studio, and mm. that's where my mum would work as well. Okay, maybe it's the same place. No, no, no. My place was Archway, oh. North London. Oh, that past Islington, oh. Archway. Yeah, yeah. Your mum, yeah, your mum's a great dancer. Oh, very thank good. you. Very good. Very good, very good. Well, the thing is, because she is, um, she's yeah, a trained ballroom dance teacher. When she would go to like your events and stuff, she'd often be finding herself as a being like the ma- the man. Oh, she's right. leading, yeah. Because well, not a lot of people can lead. Yeah, but she she was a joy to dance with, Aww. and and always smiling and happy. You know what I mean? Always. Yeah, and we've had we've had plenty of dances together down in uh, Hula Boogie, Hula Boogie at Stockwell. Yeah, it's everything happens and then everything stops. That's why you've got to enjoy the moment, enjoy the times, enjoy the venues. Exactly, because who would have thought COVID, like, no one could have ever imagined something like that could happen. I think it's definitely made me realise that my mum as well, she she can't wait to get back into dancing. Well, it started up. I mean, I've, I've been working. I've just done a gig at Friday at Under the Bridge. Mm-hmm. And a tremendous event really? at Chelsea Football Ground. And Cy Cranston and his band was playing and I had to do the DJing. And again, he says to me, Patrick, I want Jamaican Scar, I want Northern Soul, and I want no music over 1960. So everything has to be from the 50s to the 60s. Jump Jive, Rhythm and Blues and Scar and Northern Soul, and that's what he wanted. And, and that's what he got. And the people said they loved the music, they loved the band, but they also enjoyed the mix-up of the Scar and the Jive and the Northern Soul. So this, everything was 100% that night. Because people have been um, kind of speculating that, because, yeah, people have been inside for so long, it would kind of be like a 20s, like the roaring 20s again, where like people just want to go out all the time and like just they can live great lives. And would you say that's true? Like for indicating from that event? What, the one Friday? Yeah, that, yeah. People yeah. want to go out and dance more. Well, yes, they do want to go out since lockdown stopped, but some are still a bit hesitating. Mm. Is it safe out there or is it not? mixing and touching hands and this and that. And in that venue had to be COVID checked. Myself had to be tested too within 48 hours before the event, and, and which I did get tested 
obviously negative. And uh, the show goes on. But people are itchy and want life to go back to what it was. But I'm not sure what's going to happen, if there's this going to be passable, or what. I'm not too sure mm. what's going down. I, I didn't even think of, like, um, again, like, the fact that it's dancing and you're being in close proximity to people because, yeah, it's something that we're so not used to anymore. So yeah, it's going to take time to readjust, uh, get used to it. Um, and actually that brings me on to um, this question with do you think like the particular with rock and roll and like that vintage type of music do you think that will like do you see it dying out ever or do you think it'll always there'll always be like a subculture that will love it always yeah I, I don't see it dying out because the people who who's on the scene now they don't want to hear Tom Jones or David Bowie or Meatloaf or, you know, R. Kelly or D, what, P. Diddy or whatever. We're just not into it. Mm. So that's our love and our passion. And once you seem to join onto it, that's what you love and that's, what, that's the road you'll go down. A bit like salsa. Mm. You can love salsa. And you can dance salsa, but you won't like the rock and roll because you don't want to dance to the rock and roll either. Because you know, all the styles are a bit different. But so um, I tried the salsa, but it's not for myself. Mm. You know, it's not. For, I think your mum can dance it. Yeah, she can. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's just not for me. I, I'm. I'm not a Latino man. I'm not Mexican or Cuban or what. So. <laughs> mm. Each their own uh, men, but I, I can't dig the music. It's not. It's not me. It does not rock my boat at all. <laughs> um, yeah, because I think um, when I have been to um, when I was younger, the people that like go to like love rock and roll, they love rock and roll. Like they're just from the outfits. Like it's a full yeah, thing. Sure. Um, it is interesting that you draw the comparison between salsa and rock and roll, and how they'll both always be there because. To me, I see because salsa is like part of like a um, like a culture, like like Spanish. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, the people from that that those places will naturally they will always continue in my eyes. So with rock and roll, I didn't see it the same way. But mm. yeah, so could you expand on that a bit more? Well, the rock and roll is a uh, it's mainly stemmed from the Americans back in the early days, Jamaica. Jamaica used to listen to it only on radio. So, and then the Americans made the Lindy Op. The Lindy Op was before the rock and roll, right? That's another style of dance. And there was music to go with yeah, that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and generally sort of swing music by Count Basie, Duke Ellington, um, Artie Shaw, Glenn Miller, maybe. So, you know what I mean? And um, and then from that that era, then came rock and roll after. See, so let's give let's give swing to the forties and give rock and roll the fifties. So swing died out by the fifties, because don't forget there was a war, and when the war was sort of kicking off. 
things got bad, recessionary and stuff, so bands couldn't be like 14, 17 man in a band who's got to be paid. So the band then got smaller to four men instead of 17 or 14. So that those four men could split the, the money more easier or could go in cheaper. But you've got to be good. I think Louis Jordan, Boogie, he was a small four or five piece combo. But he was kicking the music. So then the um, Jamaicans would hear it on the radio and then then a lot of Jamaicans used to go to America to work on the cotton fields. So they'd get their wages, they'd buy some of those records, bring them back to Jamaica, and then the sound system man would buy them off of him, probably treble the price, and then he would play them in Jamaica, but they weren't printing or making those records in Jamaica. See what I'm, what, see the picture? Mm. So the Jamaicans took to that rhythm and blues music and that rock and roll sort of music and they loved it. And then from there, the Jamaicans started to make their own, which was then a scar with that kind of beat. No, but the Americans are the Americans are the main rulers of 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 the inventor of the real rhythm and blues and the dance, and the dance. It's so interesting seeing how all these like how society then affects music and it, yeah, it's just amazing to see because yeah, I feel like today with everything being so accessible, like you can get worldwide music on your phone for free. Um, mm. And I'm curious to see how that will affect how music then is affected by everything. Like, because you, you can't trace those connections so clearly like you did just there. Yeah, well, when you when we just mentioned about salsa, I usually go back to Jamaica when my parents was alive every year. And I never once heard a salsa record, song or whatever. Or if you went to the hotel and there was a gig on. No. Because the the, the, the the Cuban man, the Mexican man, the Colombian man, that's their niche. Our Jamaica is our niche is known for reggae. <laughs> Not no 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 i'm not taking the mickey but you know when i say i can't deal with it i, I can't deal with it it's not in my blood yeah. music's got to be in your blood it's in their blood mm. my mate i've got a friend danny he loves that his girlfriend's colombian and he's learnt it and he plays it but i can't digest um a good good friend of mine fire he teaches it fire Great, phenomenal dancer. He would be dance with your mum, you'd think, huh? Great, but uh, I, I can't deal it. I'll, I'll stick to my rhythm and blues and stick to me reggae on my soul. You know what I mean? Each their own, you know. And I'm just really curious to know this. Um, why did you choose the name Pat the Cat? Tell me the story of how the name came about. That's a good question. Um... I had an idol um, friend of mine called Rohan. And, you know, 
in the early in the eighties, and I'd go to his club and he'd he'd have on his suit suit and playing the the music I loved and stuff, and I thought great. And then I really learnt from from himself, and we'd go to his house and sit down, talk music, talk this, and and you know just kill kill time we're still great friends today and um he he got me when i say to him him you know i'm gonna start doing some dj and he let me play on the decks a bit i had i had records you know previous and um i was looking for a name and i said what do you think of this what do you think of that and he said no i'm pat the cat you're pat pat the cat end off so he gave me the name I, I didn't find it and I just stuck with it from then anyway it's you know like a shop you want something that slips off your tongue you know what I mean and uh, Pat, Pat the Cat is easy to remember mm. it's a great name and as it, so would you say he was like a mentor to you yeah 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 I'm older than him don't get me wrong and um we're still we're still good good friends, you know. Good friends. I love him. He loves me. And because um, he's still DJ. When he wants to, yes. When he, he's he's sort of gone into artist work. He loves drawings and stuff. That's his, that's getting his niche now. But he's he's had he's DJed at some great venues, some great weekenders, and uh, very good, very good, very good indeed. Very good. So even looking at him and that, you can think, well, how can you be better? But it's not about being better. It's about being yourself also and finding your niche. You know what I mean? Because he's Rohan the man and I'm Pat the cat. And it's a big, fast world here. And, you know... There's lots of people and there's, there's venues out there where everybody could be, want to do their thing, which that, that's exactly what they're doing. There's lots of salsa clubs out there, mm. you know, and there's some rock clubs, rock and roll clubs. Um, I'm not saying there's a specific club for rhythm and blues because it comes under the sort of same banner, but you've got the swing clubs and they don't want to hear much rock and roll or rhythm and blues because they want the pure swing. And they dance to the Lindy, you know. So um, yeah, that's how we found the name. Hmm. Great story, um, and I think it's it's great to see the parallels, like that that you just said there between, well, yeah, the mentorship and being like looking at someone kind of and wanting to know what you can add and do differently and be yourself in, and how that's been done with other like throughout all the time in music, and yeah, it's beautiful to see. Uh, people being inspired by one another. It, it is. That's the way of the world. Because I love history now. I didn't used to read, but now I love it. And when, um, say for example, you've got some great men like, say Caesar, Julius Caesar. You should have heard of him if you've yeah. done Roman history in school. Emperor. So Julius Caesar was a a, a, um, a great technician 
in how he ordered his soldiers and he got the discipline with them. But Julius Caesar had had influence from history, from Hannibal. But a lot of people wouldn't know this because mm. Hannibal was a master technician and Hannibal destroyed the Romans in the earlier days before Julius Caesar. And they all always write everything down, the Romans. Mm. So years later, the Romans used the same sort of tactics to destroy destroyed Hannibal's people. You understand what I'm saying now? Mm. They will, if you don't be careful, the people will copy what you do and come back round and beat you over the head with it. See, so there's a, every, everybody learnt from some of the older ones, let's put it that way. That was the truth. Because one of, one of, when Caesar had to take on the barbarians, I think he had about, just say 37,000 soldiers and the barbarian had 70 to 80 and yet the Romans beat them and I would have put my money that the bigger number would flatten the smaller number no it's all about tactics and same with music there are lots of DJs battle right and you may have some great records but you have to know how to play them if you're going to play against another DJ to get the credential. Mm. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think so because I think um, when I'm like with my friends and stuff and like in my mind it's a good song but it's like you've got to match the song to the music at the right time. Yeah, and, sure. And at my uni actually um, the, with the African and Caribbean Society they um, link up with Oxford and we uh, and they like have different like so say their last one was about like music from the 2000s and it's like um, one like I don't know slow jam song both mm. of them play and then they can vote who was the best one and um, it's a skill that I don't have but hopefully I'll develop yeah yeah you've got to feel it you have yeah. to feel it you have to music you got to feel it serious and what so you said that you mentioned a song earlier about the song that gets everyone on the dance floor the one that you take on an island with you um, Joe Turner yeah. Chef Rattling Rule yeah I think um, for me it'd probably just be Candy Oh, the stroll, the one you do the stroll. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Candy's good. It, it's a classic. It's a classic. I wouldn't leave the house without it, mm. generally. Not on a boogie night. Yeah. But I've been on one of the boogie nights and somebody's come and asked me for it. I said, no, I can't play in here. No, listen. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a mixed party. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes, you can do, yeah. And actually, that that's a brings me on to recommendations as a dj how do you feel about recommendations do they get annoying um, or do you welcome them what the tracks when people ask yeah. for um yeah. a request yeah 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 i um t t in my world i if if i've got it i will play it but i try and fit it in at the right time and the nicest part about it, I, I was on a gig a couple of weeks back and a guy asked me for Ravelli, Ravelli Rock or something, right? And I know I had it and I did take it out tonight, but it was hard to find it amongst the CDs. And uh, I said, look, if I find it, I'll play it. And I found it about an hour later. So I still played it. But you know the joy. It filled my floor. And it was something I don't usually play. So you can use it again. 
Yeah, because mm. there was a lot of rock and roll people there. And and at the age of that song, he remembers it well. And so sometimes their request does help. You know what I'm saying? And numerous of time I've played the people's request and lots of other people's responded, which is good. Even Friday night in Chelsea, quite a few people came and asked for certain, certain requests and I played them and, and the floor worked well. And people like... When you when you listen to them, and if they ask, you give, because mm. that's that's my job mm. as a DJ. I'm not there for me directly. I'm there for them. So if you want it, I'll play it. Not but not no silly silly songs or you know Johnny Reggae or yeah <laughs> another Meatloaf track back out of hell or something. No, no, you know, but, the right place. Yeah. And it's yeah because you, you describe it perfectly like you're you're playing for people yeah. and most of the time like when people are come for a request like they're talking to their friends like what song would you want to like they know they're coming with people so yeah it make it just makes sense to listen to people what they want um in my um school prom we had a really bad DJ and she wasn't listening to any of our requests she was, won't listen no, no that's bad it's very bad it's yeah. very bad you you're you're up there as a DJ. And it's kind of prepare for your job and know your job. Like a preacher, if you're going to be a preacher in the pulpit, he does prepare his lesson before he goes for that service, the day before or whenever, and he's dotted it down. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with the DJing because you, I might, you might say to me, can you do this job for my birthday? So I say, what sort of music would you like and you say well da, 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 da. I says well I haven't got half of that I says I'll tell you what you make me a CD then and you can download your music and you can give me the CDs and put 1 to 15 or 12 and I will work off of that CDs during the other type of music because don't forget the music what you particularly like a lot of your friends may not like some of it they don't <laughs> Ah, so you we're on the same page. You understand? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's not being a DJ. It's not about you, you. It's about the others. And I and I and I find that in the Christian world, where people say, "Oh God, give me this. God, give me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, God, give me this. Give me that. Give me that. Pray for." You, it, it'll tell you in religion. Pray for others. Not yourself. Yourself's all right. Yeah? I play what I like in my own house. But when I go to play out, I've got to play for what those people want. And that way you'll have peace. If you don't play it, you're going to have n- n- no peace. Go and growl and moan and talk, tell the organiser, oh, well, the music weren't all that. We asked him to play that and he wouldn't play it, blah, blah, blah. So just play for them. Whether you play the track every week, just play it. Keep the peace. And would you say that is kind of a big selling point in being a DJ for you? Like, is that, what do you gain the most joy from in doing your job? <laughs> Very good question. The fact is, like, last Friday at Chelsea Football Ground, 
when I could go into a nice, posh venue, clean, security, great equipment, top of the range, at Under the Bridge, and then you're working with a top band, DJ Joy, you, you know, what else could you be asking for? Do you understand? So, from my perspective view as a person, I feel honoured to be asked to can do that job. Yeah? Mm. And I don't get big-headed about it. I just get on with it and just enjoy and enjoy the people. Now, the guy who gave me the job didn't tell me what time they're coming off, what time they're coming on, didn't tell me everything was just working on off the top of your head because his brain is already full up with all these songs and this and that he like just get on with it and that was it and i didn't bother say anything all i knew um when he sung a quite a few songs i tried to listen out say well he's saying one more then i'm gonna have a break so then go up to your station and be ready sort of thing you know what I mean don't just be going to the toilet when he's finishing and he's walked off the stage and <laughs> you're not there you know it's so everyone <laughs> things can happen trust me can go wrong but uh, yeah no, it's just it's just good to be asked um, and I honour that would you say that's your career highlight what I'm um, DJing at um, Chelsea Football Ground what other else could venue um, I, I, just, I don't know there was there was one years ago and it was in a massive castle and I'd never really been in many castles it was way out down the country and when we got off, got off the main road and then got to it it's vast and it was a wedding, so it was gloriously posh. And then when I looked at the back, through the back window, there was nothing but greenery and sheeps and, and trees and sky. And I'm thinking, but then that's what castles was about because they were like forts. So the enemy would come from the greenery, and then you throw the old pots and whatever bow and arrow down on them, and and that's you know what I mean. But so anyway, but that 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 I've never forgot that that venue because if I wasn't DJing, I wouldn't have been there. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah. And and also I thought, well, I'm honoured to be asked to play at such a venue. You know, Chelsea was good out as modern, but I think that castle was and then there's been some great hotels and stuff there's some good hotels you know what i mean yeah, yeah, nice you get to enjoy the hotel night mm. get some free canapes and stuff yeah i, I like my food i had to go and eat what you want <laughs> oh yeah it's always good to have free food but i think what something i've realized recently is that when you like do stuff that you've never done before, like um, going to a, go to a castle. Those memories stay, like stay. Yeah. But when you just have the same old, same old, that no memories are created, and that time just goes. So for me, like lockdown, that time 
it just flew by and I don't really have many memories but mm. doing like the odd thing here and there like that say I went to a castle I would always remember that so being a DJ when you're put into these like you know amazing venues and yeah. you're always like yeah like part of like a party mm. um I feel like tell me if I'm wrong but you must have lots of memories and mm. like kind of like you've lived a life but in that time it's like it's time has been used to its fullest would you say that yeah i'll agree because don't forget i've got to not just play on that night i've got to be preparing probably the day or two before i got to check all this equipment i have to find myself there by road etc maps and before sat nav come in it's a to z and then you might you might feel oh, I've got A to Z for London, but you're not in London. You're way down in some Timbuktu area. You've never been. You've never seen. You're seeing roads and places you've never seen before. And like you've just said, that castle, a castle is not built in like one year. A castle can take probably five, six, seven, ten years to build. The amount of work and and artistry and beautiful seedings and COVID. Yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, and that's wealth. You're talking about kings and queens own castles, not Fred down the road. You know what I mean? But Fred does deserve a castle. I think we all should have castles. How nice. can you know? No, some are made to be born to be rich and some of us are made to be poor. Is it? Nah. Uh, hmm? I, I wish we were all rich. Then... Hang on, <laughs> let's not go. <laughs> so that's a topic for another. Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, but I think I think on that note, and actually, one last mm, question. Mm, whatever. For someone starting out in the industry, they want to be a DJ. What is one piece of advice you would give them? Listen, just listen. Not just listen to your mind or what you want to do, but you have to find your niche, find good music and play good music and people will remember you for the good music. They'll always Because once they're dancing, their spirits are happy. Whether reggae, soul, hip-hop, um, salsa or rock and roll, you know, the DJ has to deliver. He's one of the most important person on the night. The pain people have come because I see what's one thing with me. I always, if I, you come to my venue, I will always respond and hug you because I'm happy you made the effort to have a bath, put on your clothes, and come to my venue that night when there could be other things on. But people say, now nah, we're going to pack because we like the music. Mm. So it is about your music and your, and your personality and listen. To what people want, you know. It's like, for example, I at Royston, um, you'd have a stage, and some DJs. Nobody's coming up on this stage. Get off! Get off! Flinging up there. Now there's a whole load of people down below, and you're doing get off! Get off! Get off! Like you're shooing the dog out the back door, right? That can infuriate somebody. So that they won't even come back to your club. You understand? But in my world, I, I wouldn't dare do that. 
If you want to talk to me or ask me something or tell me good night, then come up. End off. But oh then let me do what I'm doing and then I'll get you know what I'm saying and stuff and then they they'll come up there and they'll look down to see where I'm actually working from. But that's because it's a stage. Maybe insurance purposes you're not supposed to have people up on the stage they might hit the speaker over and hit someone on the head they might fall over the wire what i mean all Thanks. right you look at a pilot he's in the front of the plane flying. now if every five six people wanted to go up to talk to the pilot every minute what may happen to you yeah it would be good <laughs> you understand so i'm not much different from that mm-hmm. you know what i mean so um nah, nah it's, it's all it's got its good points, it's got its bad points. But generally, if somebody want to request, just play it. Keep the peace and, and keep a happy smile on your face if possible. You know what I mean? Well, I think that is the end of Thanks for listening. The Black Then Black Now podcast would not be possible without the support of Do It Now Now, who have created the Voltage Revolution to give young Black London creatives opportunities and tools to give them a foot in the door. Make sure you keep updated on Black Then Black Now by following our socials at WeVoltage on Twitter and Instagram, where we'll be posting information about the team that has put this all together and exclusive behind the scenes footage. 